could see the big wheels turning. The first day of summer on a Friday. Look at all the cushions. For the remainder, it's extended, immense but condensed for your listening pleasure. I had a whole lot of material to cram together. Endeavors like this traditionally take years to manifest. Oppenheimer and De Beers can attest. Whack rappers and actors right. make up the fuya. Fucking cooler with Jacob the jeweler. You are the buyer. I'm the supplier of rings and things to set cities on fire. I got my fingers in pies of all flavors, employing guys people despise and call traitors. They get hit with the tomatoes. The world's a stage, but you don't get to see the rise of creators. Not to mention the producers of Payday Monsanto. Check him out. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he could. All, uh, all before, he was spitting uh, the bars there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're talking. You know, Travis, Jeff, I, I made my living for years as a. Uh, uh, professional guitar player and i've played oh, nice. on everything from hip-hop to country to uh r&b rock and roll jazz blues uh, that's 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 what i did professionally for uh, 20 some odd years that's cool you know a lot of people play i'm not uh talented enough to play a musical instrument my daughter plays the flute she's really good <laughs> but um yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just curious, man. I'd I'd love to see something take off because, like I said, we we all know this 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 thing's way out of control, it's spiraling out of control. It's it's you know, I mean, I, it seems like this is kind of a long long term um, project. I mean, we're gonna have you know, you guys would have to grow this and yeah. Well, how did we get here? How long did it take to get here? It didn't happen. It didn't happen in the last administration or the administration before that. I mean, they've been they've been executing their plan to undermine our republic for 160 years, ever since right. Lincoln's war. And so, you know, we can't be so foolish to think that there is a quick solution, like a silver bullet, like a chain that we can that right. we can pull. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's uh, <laughs> you know. What, no, what I get Einstein, it. No. I, Einstein said that that you don't. You don't solve problems by using the mindset that created them, and and so uh, we have to think differently. We've allowed ourselves to be deluded into our current state uh, because of the way that we think. Well, I mean, we've uh, you know we hold this flawed belief of you know when you hear, you hear talk about our system of checks and balances and separations of power and uh, separation of powers and uh and you know what we're being told and what's being presented is that the founders created a system that was self-correcting where all of the processes of government would happen within government and the people would be moved as far off stage as possible that, that that's what we've been led to believe, and so we we have to fundamentally change our thinking, and realize that either 
We make the decision to adopt a new way of life. We, we cannot approach it the way we've always approached it. If right, we I would do that. I mean, um, I do. What I what attracted me was I, I like the fact that uh, who you don't allow to participate in these grand juries or you know state militias, if you get do- that far down the road, um, it would be government officials. Anybody that's a government official is not allowed to participate. And, and we don't call them officials. There's nothing official about them. Right, right, right. There's bad <laughs> terminology by me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't allow anyone. Uh, uh, we don't allow anyone that works for government uh, that uh, or is even employed by government. That would ins- that would include school teachers or and and city mechanics, uh, because you know what we're doing is is going to affect uh, how government operates. And you know the problem is our elected servants, Travis. They don't fear the people, and right. they they've they've gotten us to act like serfs and subjects uh, that live in their you know, their little fiefdoms. And uh, we, well, we yeah, they're going to, as far as profiting off of us. I mean, like, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, these, there's a lot of players that are, you know, low level players that are paid, you know, behind the scenes. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of infuriating, you know, to make an honest living is like one of the hardest things to do these days. You know, one of the questions we ask people is, do you believe that we have more criminals in Washington, D.C. than we have servants? And how would you answer that question? Absolutely, yes. So do you believe that that criminals deserve consequences and servants need uh, supervising? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you believe that somebody needs to do something about it? At some point. Okay, okay, yeah. Otherwise, we just give up our hands and just, you know. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Put our heads in the sand. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the brilliance of our plan is that we're doing it at the county level. And, uh, and, and we are looking at, with our rate of growth right now, uh, we're looking at, at reaching a tipping point by the end of this year uh, where we're going to be able to, to activate our phase two tactical objectives and get these uh, county grand jury ordinances and county militia ordinances passed in multiple counties in multiple states. Um, I mean, when, when, you know, another thing that our county grand jury ordinance establishes, so as I told you, it establishes uh, a mechanism for people to volunteer, and then it requires the county clerk to maintain a standby roster that's included with the roster that they currently use for their, uh, uh, you know, random drawing and selection of uh, candidates for grand jury. So we we populate that their current roster with a standby roster of people who are volunteering, and so we're talking about educated. Uh, uh, you know, motivated uh, people in the community and, you know, namely tactical civics members that are now going to be populating uh, that pool of of uh, of the roster for grand jury. So we establish that and we give people an opportunity to get their name in that on that standby roster. Another thing that we do in in that ordinance is is we require the, the county government to provide a a, a button where people can submit complaints of suspected criminal violations of the law, particularly by elected servants. And let me tell you why that's important, because 
in, in virtually every municipality in America, both in urban areas and in rural areas, uh, there's corruption. And you've got good people working for city government that see things and know things, but because they live in small towns, they don't want to be embroiled in a controversy. They don't want to have their careers torpedoed. They don't, you know, they don't, but what our ordinance is going to create is a button where people can submit anonymous complaints of suspicion of criminal violations of the law, particularly by our elected servants. And and the fact is, is when one half of one percent of the ballots cast <laughs> submit complaints, then uh, then a grand jury has to be impaneled and an investigation initiated. And the the threshold is really low on on what uh, can predicate. Well, I, I like this idea because there's been a lot of research and documentation on the damages that these vaccines have caused. Oh, and, yeah. you know, so so basically you could just take that 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 stuff, I'm sure, with permission um, and and file that as your investigation. You wouldn't be like, re, you know, having to investigate something, you know, like, you know, yourselves. It's already there. There's right, already yeah. ample evidence of this this criminality going on and i mean in, yeah. in every facet basically so where you know where we will have to where we will have to begin uh and this is because we have jurisdiction problems that uh, we've allowed to exist that we could end the people could end it if we if we would only get our heads out of the sand or our uh out of our rear ends and uh and educate ourselves on what our authority is but right now when it comes to federal employees, federal legislators, servants in Washington, D.C., uh, they can move jurisdiction into federal courts and into Washington, D.C. jurisdiction because they have jurisdiction over that 10-square-mile patch of land. And, uh, and that's why our, you know, I said there were three problems. The first one was a spiritual problem. We've turned from God, and we need to turn back. Uh, at least recognize our our you know our spiritual deficits. Number two is a legal problem. We're not enforcing the Constitution. We're going to restore that in every county through our uh, grand jury and militia ordinances that legally lawfully establish our primordial tools of uh, of law enforcement. We're not creating them. We're just reestablishing and restoring the constitutional function and the stipulated authority that's in the Constitution uh, regarding those two law enforcement tools. And then the third thing, what's the third problem that we diagnosed? We don't have representation in America. Do you, right. know, like, do you know off the top of your head what the ratio of, of representation is? How many representatives uh, per number in the population? Like a couple hundred or... Not that many, I don't think. For the, the ratio, the ratio for representation in the federal government is one representative, on average, for every seven hundred and fifty thousand people. Right. So that's not representation. There are some districts where nearly a million souls are being represented by one 
conflicted and corrupted pet of a multinational corporation in Washington D.C. that you know that we see in Washington D.C. That's not representation. And when we send those 535 people, when you add the Senate to the House of Representatives, when we send them to Washington, D.C., they're outnumbered 559 to 1 by 300,000 employees of 71 federal agencies who have the power of the pen and are, you know, parasites writing uh, rules that fleece the American public. So they're outnumbered by permanent bureaucrats that can't be fired, that are writing regulations, they're outnumbered 559 to 1. And even if they were able to overcome those odds, they turn around and you've got 10,000 registered lobbyists, an estimated 100,000 unregistered lobbyists. You've got 71,000 trade organizations, 1.6 million nonprofits. You've got 1,100 uh, uh, public affairs firms that are all Descending on Washington, D.C. with all of their rent-seeking uh, uh, plans, you know, to to right. increase their own wealth while contributing none. Right. And so, so the system is is utterly corrupted, and that's because the founders envisioned and intended to maintain small representative districts. Right. Because the founders understood, and they talked about this, that if the size of government, and we're talking about representation, if the number of representatives shrank in respect to the size of the population, in other words, if the population continued to grow and grow and grow and, repus- and representation didn't grow with it, then it would lead to tyranny and despotism. And that's what we have right now. We've got 435 uh pets of corporations, and those corporations' lawyers are actually writing the legislation that gets run through uh, uh, Congress. They're writing it. The co- our, our representatives are not writing legislation. They're barely reading it. The, 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 the war machine, big oil, big tech, uh, big money, they're writing the legislation. And, right. and 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 they're they're well, they're making sure that that they're would, uh, would would the leaders of tactical civics be open you know if this stuff started picking up and gaining momentum would they be open to you know organizing a movement to boycott like pretty much all the voting and organize a grassroots BDS movement of all these companies that are doing this lobbying yeah say we don't you know, need to- start hurting them in the pocketbook. We, we, the we, leader, you know, the the leaders of this be willing to consider something like that because, you know, I, we need to start getting some teeth into this stuff. Well, we have a plan. <laughs> we have yeah. a plan. So uh, nobody knows this, but uh, everybody thinks that when the Bill of Rights was uh, passed by Congress in 1789. Uh, that there were only ten amendments in that Bill of Rights that they sent to the states. That's not true. There were twelve amendments. The first, the original First Amendment and the original Second Amendment, neither one were ratified by the necessary number of states to become a part of our Bill of Rights. But the founders uh, uh, drafted those rights and enshrined them in law, and the original First is still sitting as a pending amendment. 
The original second was ratified by the 38th state in 1992, 200 years after it was passed. It was ratified, and it became our new 27th Amendment. And it's the, it's the amendment that uh, stipulates that if Congress increases their, uh, their pay, that that pay raise can't take effect until there's been an election and a new Congress is seated. And for whatever reason, it didn't pass in 1789, 90, 91, uh, and it sat there as a pending amendment for 200 years. And in uh, 1983, a University of Texas college student found out about it, went on a personal crusade. Nine years later, 1992, the 38th state ratifies that amendment, and it becomes our new 27th Amendment. The original First Amendment is the amendment that guarantees small representative districts. It's where Congress set a formula that allowed uh, Congress to grow and allowed the size of representative districts to grow from what's stipulated in Article 1, Section 2, Clause 4, which is one representative for every 30,000 people. And it's interesting to note that George Washington only spoke one time at the Constitutional Convention because he knew his influence as the president of the Confederation. He only spoke one time, and he only spoke about one issue, and it was in the 11th hour of the, of the convention, and it was about small representative districts. And he said that we had to maintain small representative districts, that it was that issue and that issue alone is what would ensure ratification of the Constitution was the guarantee of small representative districts. And you read the state ratification debates, and you'll, see, you'll hear that theme repeat, uh, repeated. Uh, and I think it was in, in uh, Virginia, uh, uh, William Carey Nicholas, who, who, who was, uh, uh, eventually became governor of, of Virginia. In his speech, he said, I, uh, I take it for granted after reading the Constitution and seeing what it said in Article 1, Section 2, Clause 4, he said, I take it for granted that the ratio of representation will always be one representative for every 30,000, because that's what the Constitution said. Well, in the Bill of Rights, in our first original right, Congress created a formula for this. It said that after the first census, the ratio of representation will be one representative for every 30,000 until Congress reaches the number of 100, and then when after, after that, the ratio is going to be one for every 40,000 until Congress reaches the number of 200. After that, the ratio is going to be one for every 50,000, and that's where they stop. That's where they set the cap. We're not getting any the – the representative districts are not going to get any bigger. Well, here's our plan, uh, Travis, and this is what is going to fix all the problems that you just described with lobbyists. We're not going to have to boycott anything. We're not going to have to build any grassroots. Look, we're not grassroots. We're the lawnmower. That's what we are. We, the people, hold the authority. We're supposed to be trimming the grass. Our servants are the grassroots. We're the the ones that are supposed to be determining how tall the grass grows. All right. So our plan is once we establish our chapters and get our County grand jury and county militia ordinances passed in in a, a certain number of counties, a certain number of states. We're then going to 
make our state legislature. So 11 states have ratified the original First Amendment. Actually, the 12th state ratified it in 1790, but there was controversy in, in Connecticut, and their notice of ratification was never submitted to Congress. And so the, the amendment never was officially adopted as a part of the Constitution. So we've got 27 states that we need to ratify the original First Amendment. And once we get our chapters established and we get this force mass movement of hundreds of thousands of people in all the states that are doing the job of enforcement and holding our elected servants accountable and, and, and making them respect the will of the people, because power flows from the people, and we're going to remind them of that fact in very clear and explicit terms. When they start seeing indictments for violations of our supreme law, then they're going to they're going to sit up in their chair and take notice that the boss is back in town. And that's one of the things we're teaching people, Travis. Is we're teaching people how to think like a boss. Don't think like a serf. Don't think like a subject. Think like a boss, because that's who you are as a part of we the people. And then we're going to make our state legislatures bring this up. Standing resolution doesn't require committee, doesn't require signature from the governor because it is an amendment passed by Congress. All they have to do is an up or down vote on our original first right. And when that happens, it's going to create 6,400 new representative districts. It's going to divide up and break up the the, the concentration of power in Washington, D.C., and it's going to distribute it back to the people. And, the, and, that's, and you're going to keep that locally. It's all we're going to keep be that local. locally because, because right. we're going to bring the first act that this new Congress will take. And we see this happening in, in the near future. We, I mean, we, we, we see our rate of growth. We see uh, certain things are lining up, and, and, and we see this happening. The well, first good. act of this new Congress is, uh, you know, we've got 19 proposed reform laws, and you should read them. They're brilliant. There's been a lot of war gaming. There's been 16 years of, of research and development, 80,000 hours. We've had great constitutional minds around this. We've war gamed. Uh, we've, uh, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a plan that has substance. It has teeth. And the first act of this new Congress, once we get our original first right ratified and restored, and we have small representative districts, now we're going to have normal, good, common sense, ethical, smart, successful local people that are going to be willing to step forward to serve their neighbors in their representative district of 50,000 people. They're going to be willing to do it because they're not going to have to buy a second home and a second life in Washington, D.C. They're going to be able to work from their home district. They're not going to have to leave their families. They're not going to have to leave their businesses. They're not going to have to, they're going to be able to work in their, in their you know, and, and the workload's going to be smaller. And we can do it all for less money than we're doing right now. We're spending... <laughs> Way too spending, much on these people. Yeah, yeah, we're spending way too much. And the first right. act of that Congress is to pass. They're gonna they're gonna meet in Washington D.C. some large venue, and they're gonna bring one act one action up for a vote. 
and that's going to be the Bring Congress Home Act, which will stipulate that every representative works from their home district in a modest office with two staff people. Every senator works in their state capitol with a larger office with six staff people. And they're going to vote, and and we're, you know, we're hoping that Trump is in office because he's the only one crazy enough to sign uh, to sign that legislation, and we'll send Congress home. And so we we're not going to have to boycott these multinational, multi-billion-dollar corporations. That's a that's a losing battle. They've got they they've got too many resources. They've got to. What we're going to do is we're going to. We're going to snap the leashes off all their pets, and we're going to bring them all back home, and we're going to increase that number fifteenfold. Uh, uh, right, and so free representation. Well, I, I know I got some questions. I know uh, I got a caller, yeah, and I go forgot ahead. to open up the lines earlier. And if anybody wants to call in, five one two two four eight eight two five two is the calling number. Uh, we got Ken in Texas, and wanted to welcome Ken. Thanks for calling in, Ken. There, buddy. Ken. Well, maybe Mike stepped away for a minute, but uh, I'm I didn't here, mean to cut you off. Switched over. Hey, Ken. How you doing? Good evening. Um, all right. So, if I only had six seconds sound bite, the first thing I would say is you need to have your guys get a hold of Roger Sales at ExposingTheMatrix.com and interface with him with what you're doing so that um, you you have that information available to you. All right, so that's my quickie, who, what, where, when, why, and how. And to expand on that, uh, you have to forgive me because this is totally impromptu and, you know, no notes, whatever. It's just total impromptu. Um, basically, as a 14th Amendment uh, citizen, you're, you're you're actually you know like a Fourteenth Amendment uh, feudal system citizen is really what you are, what we all are, unless you have opted out and become a U.S. national, which then gives you access to the common law courts. Now again, I'm having to condense a lot into a very short period of time, and so um, you know I'm skipping over a lot of stuff, but that's the basic gist of it and once you remove yourself you know out of the feudal system which it's interesting you've used a lot of feudal terms you know surf and so on um so i'm kind of curious if you're already familiar with that but if not i I would highly suggest that you have your researchers and or your um your team um team up with roger sales because it would be a really great combination to achieve this objective. Yeah, Ken, uh, we, and you know, like I mentioned earlier, we've, uh, we've had about 45 volunteers that have invested uh, over 80,000 hours of R&D over a decade and a half. And a part of that process uh, involved researching all of the Save America movements state national movement being one of them, uh, sovereign citizen movement, national assembly well, movement. Not um, interrupt yes. but sovereign citizen is totally different. No, I'm, just, um, I'm, 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 not, I'm not equating them. I'm saying that there's a long list 
of Save America movements. State National is one of them. The State National movement. I've you know I've watched uh, David uh, David Strait's videos. Uh, I'm I'm very familiar with it, and uh, and all of those fall into uh, what we call esoteric legal theory, and um, and it's not something that uh, that we're going to spend any time on because. Um, Nothing about those theories are, uh, you know, it it may help an individual uh, get out of registering their car or a speeding ticket, but it's not going to do anything to break up the stranglehold that we have right now. And that's going to arrest criminality because that's the problem. There's no law enforcement. Our Constitution is our supreme law. No one's enforcing it. Why? Because we the people are the only ones with the stipulated authority to enforcement. And so if we don't do that, then criminals will go on being criminals. And um, and well, and I understand becoming, what you're saying. Becoming, and I appreciate that, the, the depth of that. But I'm saying that from being victimized by their crime. Uh, understood, uh, but the, the David on, Strait stuff is... I think we got a break coming up real quick. Is that okay. right, Mike? Yeah, we got a break, so hang tight and come back with you. The storm is coming, cue for heaven's sake. Violence that they demonstrate, instigate and penetrate. The values of our country and our God is what they desecrate. My fighters ain't no featherweight. Pulling out the seams of the fabric that they fabricate. They feed us lies, manipulate, the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately-issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing... The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. 
To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else... Tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, 602-799-8214. Texas, Jeff with Tactical Civics, and uh, yeah, it's been a real interesting discussion. I mean, uh, I, I do see a lot of validity in the state national movement. I mean, at the end of the day, the whole system is uh, constructive fraud, and you know, but I, I also see a lot of validity with, with what you're saying with Tactical Civics. We really do need a system of true representation in, in our government and accountability, so, I mean, I'd like to see, I would like to see, like, a blending of, I do think well, they support each other. Well, what you just described, Travis, you described fraud. Fraud is a crime. Crimes need yeah. to be prosecuted. It's that simple. And we have the authority to do that. We have the authority to indict people who commit fraud. And so we don't need secret uh, we don't need secret documents. We don't need secret processes. Uh, I know a lot of people that have invested tons of time and money into the state national process and have yet to successfully complete it. Ken, are you a state national? Uh, I I have filed my paperwork with the Wait, U.S. But Secretary no, that's not my state. question. My question is, yep. have you successfully completed the process and and become a state national yes you said you filed your paperwork so what does that mean um well uh, let me make uh, well okay i'm not sure which way i want to go on this what i did was is i sent a letter to the u.s secretary of state indicating that I wanted to change my status from U.S. citizen to U.S. national. And a U.S. national, if you look it up in the code, uh, owes their allegiance to their state. 
And so you, you're opting out of being a federal citizen. That's the super non-verbose way to say it. And then I applied for my passport and got it. Um, but all I'm trying to say is, and I don't want to get into an argument or be argumentative, is that you guys really need to talk to Roger Sales. He's the man. Uh, Sierra, Alpha, Lima, Yankee, Echo, Sierra, Sales. Um, because I, I think you're between what he has going on, the information he has, and, and believe me, he's loaded for bear, combined with what you're doing is the ticket. That's just my opinion. I'm putting it out there, and I don't want to be argumentative, but please check into that. And I love what you're doing, and I thank you for what you're doing, and I hope that it would be extremely beneficial for you all to uh, work together. And I yield. Yeah, appreciate that. Go ahead and respond, Jeff. Uh, well, I, I mean, uh, we, I've already said that, that we classify the state national movement uh, in, a, in a, a, a fairly long list of movements that we call esoteric legal theory. Uh, some people may have success with it, and uh, I haven't seen that, you know, uh, personally, but we've we've researched it. It's not something that we haven't looked at. Uh, we've looked at it closely and uh, in depth, uh, along with a lot of other movements. And uh, and what we classify uh, state national, along with those others, is esoteric legal theory. It's a very that's a very precise definition that has, uh, you know, a, a specific meaning and uh, and we don't see it as a solution for uh, we the people to right. to enforce the law because the problem is criminal violations of the law and how do you address that you address it with uh, indictments and prosecution and we stipulate that authority to ourselves in uh, in the Constitution. I cannot be made party to a contract that I'm not aware of. Right. And so I'll just leave it there. We got a we got another call, Mike in Kentucky. Stay on the line, Ken, if you want. But uh, Mike in Kentucky, how you doing? Hey, um, in reviewing. Uh because of a uh, curious entry I found in the Kentucky Citizens Guide for the Constitution that a conservative Democrat gave me back in about, I don't know, 1996. It had a paragraph about the missing, the mystery of the missing Kentucky constitutions. And so uh, Kentucky's had four constitutions, and the first two had a Section X that had a paragraph in there that uh, had a provision, this was all inspired by Jefferson, that uh, this uh, section on basically a parallel to Bill of Rights could not be altered. The gov- duped masses nor the government basically could alter this, this section. And one of the paragraphs in there curiously said that there can be no law to block immigration out of the state of Kentucky. 
And I would bet you that there is a provision for that in every state constitution that allows people to unwittingly immigrate out of their state citizenship where they're born and become U.S. citizens. And you say you're not a party to a contract you're not aware of, and I'm aware of the idea that uh, constructive fraud and lack of full disclosure, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can void a contract. But the U.S. versus Lopez case, when you put that together, it looks like you got to be kind of crafty to avoid becoming stateless. And I think that's what the U.S. national thing is trying to do by getting a passport first. If you can get a passport, then you're not going to be stateless. I mean, eventually, if the courts won't hear our arguments and we can't get uh, what's called uh, private attorney generals or state grand juries to actually go up against this, like sort of like the Montana Freeman tried to do. You're familiar with the Montana Freeman, what they tried to do? Uh, not... They started their own common law court because no courts would hear anything they had to say. You don't have standing. I don't think they understood the U.S. citizenship idea. You know, you're contracted in, or most people don't think a thing about it. They sign everything that says, you know, you swear under penalty of perjury or you, period, S, period, citizen, without understanding that they can qualify their signature, sign without reading, sign without counsel put it in brackets, put it in parentheses, put it in a box, and qualify your signature all the time. Not a lawyer, signed as a condition of getting medical service or whatever, you know. I think uh, that gives, sometimes it'll give people pause, but most of the time when I've done that, they just go right ahead to take your signature it takes a few extra seconds to sign your your name, but people and that what sometimes is what people notice. But uh, they won't rec- they didn't recognize it in federal court when I did it, because I did that when the FCC made me sign something. I put my name in brackets. I didn't have time to put down sign without reading. But uh, they ignored the argument. They said, "Well, you could have put down that you signed it without reading." I'm like, "These guys wanted me to sign this. They were pressuring me to sign it." You know. So, you know, you can put that down. Signed under, signed under, uh, threat. Yeah, duress, threat, and coercion avoids all contracts, avoids that signature. What I was worried about, they were going to confiscate my stuff, and a lot of my, I had evidence against the illegal domestic spying operations that have been going on since the 90s in my TV studio. So, I just went ahead and signed it, put my name in brackets. I didn't have the authority to do anything with the FCC files. I had, did not have the password to get into the accounts or pay any fees or do anything to modify our status with the FCC, but yet they still came after me just like I was an owner. Uh, so I don't know. It's kind of in limbo. Case number five, uh, let's see, 235337 is under, I don't know what the status of it is. Uh, under the 6th District in, in Cincinnati, I filed an 11-page declaration uh, along with my motion to proceed in form of papyrus. And, uh, and I, throughout the documents, I continued to call myself the alleged accused or the respondent. I never said I was a defendant. They play these word games, you know. So we have to combat that with their own counter, you know, word games, but um, 
they treat us like we're a U.S. citizen unless you ju- dispute the jurisdiction. I mean, from what I've heard, you have to dispute jurisdiction at any point, all the way up through even when you're in prison. You can still dispute jurisdiction. Uh, I know a paralegal that claims people have gotten themselves all the way out of prison by disputing the jurisdiction of the original case. But in U.S. versus Lopez, the same paralegal told me, look, the guy was not a youth subject. He was not a U.S. citizen. The law schools were all saying this was going to undo five, five decades of Commerce Clause abuse because he had bought, brought a, school, a gun to school in Texas, and the Texas people said, uh, well, okay, we'll let the federal government have this case. And when they took it all the way to the Supreme Court, his lawyer was talented enough to get it all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said this guy didn't move in interstate commerce. And so the, the Commerce Clause did not apply because he was in a state-run, local, controlled school. And the law professors and stuff wrote theses that this case was going to undo all that, but it never happened. It's just still of no effect. And paralegal told me, he said, that's because the guy was not a U.S. citizen. He was a well, undocumented alien. Yeah, but you could also, you know, there. Uh, we, we've got 19 proposed reform laws written, drafted, ready to go. That 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 we're going to begin pushing through once we restore our original first right. And again, I'm just going to get back to the fact that our problem is is, uh, and one of those, our number two reform law is the Constitutional Courts Act, and uh, and it's a thing of beauty. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it's a thing of beauty. And one of the things it does is it 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 uh, does a couple of things. It it gets rid of. Uh, administrative courts that the executive branch has created. Um, None of the courts are Article 3, right? No court is an Article 3 court under the Constitution. They're all some kind of administrative venue. Yeah, so... um, And we gave Congress the authority to limit jurisdiction of both the Supreme Court and the appellate. Uh, And so we're going to do that. In our reform law, we're going to tell the Supreme Court that they can't make decisions on certain issues, and we're going to list those issues because we have the authority to do that. Um, but you know, the thing that people, you know, here's here's one of uh, one of the many misconceptions that we that most people in America hold, and that is that the Supreme Court is the final word on constitutionality, and it's not. We the people are. We're the final word. We have final say, and there's there's uh, all the Supreme Court does is and 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 this this holds true in the United States versus Lopez. All the Supreme Court does is settle disputes. Right. That's all they do. Is settle disputes. That's all they do. Hey, uh, and, I know we got we're wrapping up on. Uh, yeah. Ten minutes, and I got one more caller, Terry in Texas. Okay. I just wanted, I, if you, no, do you, you can hang on, Mike, if you want. But well, uh, I was just going to say they're selling minutes, their so. speech by their opinion. Is is the exactly? It's their opinion, their opinion. Is meant it's, to be just advisory. It's a yeah. It's not by law. Our silence. When you say the people have the last say, by our silence, that's how they operate. Yep, and so our we, ignorance. Well, they'd love to keep us ignorant. Go ahead. I'll, yeah, I'll hang on. 
Yeah, hang on. Terry, Terry in Texas, how you doing? Got a question uh, for Jeff, good. Terry? Sure. Uh, what was your guest's name? Uh, Jeff Calhoun, right? Yeah. Okay, I got in late on this, and I'm very interested in exactly what he's saying. Um, you know, uh, the, the power's in the counties, and what he's saying. Does he have a website? or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to give you time to mention that, Jeff. Go ahead. Yeah, tactical, tacticalcivics.com. Uh, tacticalcivics.com. That's, that's where you can go, and you can join us. Uh, you can get more information there. We got an 11 minute video that kind of lays out uh, uh, kind of 30,000 foot view of who we are. Yeah, uh, these national assemblies, a lot of them are uh, not on the up and up. I had listened to a guy that was on the inside with, um, I can't think of her name, but he came out and outed all the, the fraud that she was doing. And uh, so, but. Um, what I want to say is that I, you know, everybody's looking for the solution, and I'm going to look into this tactical civics. Uh, I'm sure I can find a niche in there. Now, did uh, the uh, uh, American National? Um, Got to be real careful with anything you do because uh, people lead you in the wrong direction, and they talk about what they don't know. Now, Roger Sales can get you the national. You have to basically present. Uh, rebut the assumption that you're a federal citizen and you have to do it with an affidavit to the Secretary of State. You know, the wording is, isn't that difficult? I did get the birth certificate, or not the birth certificate, but the uh, um, passport back that says, you know, in their internal documents, it states that I am a diplomatic courier. But anyway, I won't go into that. Um, But I would like to say that uh, there's a further process. Being a national is just part of it. Um, there's a website on YouTube. It's called Zero Percent. And if you look at it, he shows a, it's called a birth certificate authentication. But more than that, it's what he's saying and how the federal government is very, very uh, specific on how they brought in the Emergency uh, <clears throat> Banking Act and also the uh, Emergency War Powers Act, which is what he's saying that's what we're under now. But anyway, it's an interesting read. I'm going to look at this website, Tactical Civics, and really, because I think these two can somewhat merge, you know, because everybody's kind of looking for the same thing. But I agree with you. The power is in the counties and going through these courts, and so I'm interested to see how you guys are doing this. Because yeah, we're going to turn. Them. We're going to put constitutional violations by our elected servants where they belong as criminal violations, not civil violations. Right, right, right. One thing I'd well, like to he... try to look at, though, is how there's a bunch of stuff around the 14th Amendment that was never adjudicated, never brought before the courts. I think with the Trump situation, it would be it would be a neat. Uh, possibility to totally scuttle the 14th Amendment. That would send them on their heels. Because there's there's probably 18 states that rescinded their ratification of the 14th Amendment at, because at least seven of them, maybe more, like nine or ten, were threatened with no representation in Washington, D.C. unless the military government they had in place ratified it. 
Lester S. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'll let you guys go, but that'd be a, that'd be a fun short circuit against the fourth estate. Or the yeah. well, there's no there's no doubt that Lincoln uh, uh, overturned the rule of law, and you know that's 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 where that's where everything uh, really began in earnest in terms of. Uh, the concentration of federal power and the, the you know, just the violation, right. the violations of our Constitution. You know, I, I, mean, I, I know some people that, that even say uh, Lincoln was pretty much a Marxist and, you know, that yeah, was a... And a white, yeah, he was a Marxist and a white supremacist. He was a fan of Karl Marx. Uh, there's some there's some great scholarship on that. Uh on on the the <laughs> on you know one of the key Marxist uh, websites I don't have it in front of me but you can read uh, reading Marx with Lincoln and and it's uh, yeah he was a tyrant he he wanted a white only nation he wanted to deport, deport all free blacks he was working before his inauguration behind the scenes with the Senate to draft a proposed amendment to make slavery a permanent institution. Uh, he told more lies. He had a pathway. Look, 16 nations prior to America had abolished slavery without shedding a drop of blood. And that pathway was open to him. There was, you know, there were already sub- substantial and and uh, bulletproof legal arguments that had been made on the unconstitutionality of slavery. Lysander Spooner was a brilliant legal mind who wrote a book in 1843 called The Unconstitutionality of Slavery that had gained acceptance in the North and the South. Had Lincoln been an actual statesman and not a, uh, uh, not a puppet of the Northern industrialists, he could have uh, negotiated a way out of slavery for the Southern political leaders and on constitutional grounds where they could have exited slavery with dignity. And, uh, and he, he didn't want that he, because he wanted to expand federal power and he uh, uh, wanted to fill the coffers of his buddies. Right. Let me ask you, right. uh, uh, do you believe that we are working under uh, the emergency war powers act? Have you heard that, that each president says yeah. every year that, we're under that Emergency War Powers Act, which avoids the Constitution. No, you don't. No. You haven't heard that. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I don't believe that. That's uh, yeah. Well, they're running about thirty-three yeah. na- uh, national emergencies, though, on various topics. One right. of those, and that's how they can do this because, um, like I said, I, I looked at this uh, on this website, zero you percent, know, and he goes into all this the. Uh, uh, how the the or the uh, uh, the banking act took away the gold and silver and created these. Uh, well, the yeah, emergency see, what, were there? modified in 1974. There was an act before Congress to rein in the president's emergency powers. I think it was the year 1973 or 74. But mm-hmm. you know they run so many emergencies and so many different topics, and Congress doesn't stop them. Well, so, every everything year, that, signs off on that. Everything you guys are describing scared. are crimes, and crimes sure. need to be uh, prosecuted. And that's right. Uh, they're, they're also and we we have the authority. That's why I like uh, yeah, we have the authority to do it. And if we don't do it, they'll just keep they'll just keep breaking the law. Right. Well, that's right. why I like your your idea of going through the counties and uh, 
doing what you're doing in that aspect. Yeah. Well, once we establish uh, the constitutional function of the grand jury system at the county level, those grand juries right. are state grand juries. So they're, you yeah. know, county grand jury is kind of a misnomer. Uh, a grand jury that's impaneled in your state is a state grand jury. And so it it can, uh, you know, it can investigate suspected crimes. It can investigate just for the assurance that crimes aren't being committed. I mean, there's, money there's isn't out there doing that. That's what the Oklahoma Citizens Grand Jury did to try to investigate the Oklahoma uh, bombing, the Murrah bombing. The problem I see is that these states are operating as statutes statutory uh, subsidiaries of the federal bureaucracy. So, you know, it's right. just, uh, you know, if we can get back to a state constitution and uh, do that work, you know, go into the federal level, it's, you know, it's pretty yeah. because well, it's not doing much, much good. The, the first three words of every constitution are we the people. And uh, found a, a fundamental principle of our system of popular constitutionalism is that power is derived, resides in, and is derived from the people. It flows from the people to the government, and we just don't realize it. We don't know how to take action based on I'll that power what, and authority that we have. Yeah. I'm going I'm to look at your website, and I'll be checking in. I appreciate that, and uh, thanks for letting me put a word to in. Yeah, and just to let you know, the website is not where all the gold is. The gold is in our training center. To access our training center, uh, you'll have to pay $5 to access sure. our training and, and join. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, we're, a, we're, a, we're a Christian private member organization, and there's a membership fee of $5 a month or $50 a year. And that allows you to access. You could go on there for one month, download every book that we've got, every piece of material, every training, uh, everything we've got. You can download it all, and then you can quit, <laughs> and it's yours. Uh, you know, uh, uh, okay, well, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. Yeah. All righty. All right. Well, I think it's been a great show. Appreciate you coming on, Jeff. Thanks for the calls, yeah. guys. Terry, Mike, Ken, Texas. Appreciate it. Um, Jeff, I have to have you on another time, man. We'll have to talk about this a little more. I know we can go another hour, but... Yeah, there's a ton. Like, I think the, uh, the board out needs to get some sleep. So do I. <laughs> Appreciate you calling in, man. Uh, telling us about this. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in, RBN. Final hour. Appreciate it. I got some new guests coming on uh, next month, so this month, so it'll be fun. Thanks for listening. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. 
or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. You're listening to Real Talk Radio, only on the Republic Broadcasting Network. 